Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word and for teaching us and continually um, giving us opportunities to learn from your word and what you have to say, God. And I pray that you would open our hearts today, this morning, as we um, go through the Ten Commandments, as we uh, learn about what it means to honor your name, God. So open our hearts and uh, may this truth sink into our hearts, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Welcome, everyone. So we are going through the Ten Commandments. Uh, we're calling it the Ten Words, the Ten Words of God. And these are the laws that God has instituted for us. Uh, God telling us how to live, um, what matters to him, what are his values, and how, how do these become our values. So our, our, our third commandment today is the uh, is here in Exodus 27. I'll go ahead and read this verse. It says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. When we think about names, uh, we we uh, we use them. We use them. We 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 attribute some type of um, strength or some type of authority to it. So, for example, uh, when we were kids, uh, if we if if we if we uh, if we if, the, if we were playing with our friends and they did something wrong. We go, ooh, you're in trouble, and then that would be like, okay, you know, it's one thing for a fourth grader to say that, but then if that fourth grader were to say, I'm going to tell Mrs. Dorothy, uh, then the people the people get scared, and this is a, uh, you know, this is one way that names are used. We use them as a source of threat or a source of um, of power. Uh, for example, uh, another way that we use names in in life is we use names to get into somewhere. So for example, uh, if you were to go, let's say you were to go into a club, um, this might be a bad example because I don't know how many of us go clubbing, but just for example, uh, I want to go get in there. The bouncer say, no, you can't get in there. I know the owner. I know Roberts. He's like, okay, fine. You get in, you can get in because you know the name of this guy and names matter. Names, the, the, uh, you know, if, if we're to respond to anything, the first thing that we're most responsive to is our names. But for God, the significance, the importance of his name is 10,000 times more important. So we're going to look at how um, how God identifies by his name, uh, how his name matters to himself. So we'll read some of these verses uh, from, from the Psalms. That explain uh, that show us that God is His name is um, how how much His name matters to Him, and then we'll go on and we'll talk about what His name really is. So I'm just gonna go around. Um, Lily, can I have you read Psalm 54:1, please? Oh God, save me by Your name and vindicate me by Your might. All right, thanks. So when God saves us, it's by His name, and we'll see this again. We'll read another passage in the New Testament where. It's, we're being saved by the name of God, or specifically Jesus. Thank you. Um, Janelle, can I have you read Psalm 75, please? Uh, we give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your name is near. We recount your wondrous deeds. For your name is near. So it's not merely that God is near to us, but God's name is near to us. Chelsea, can I have you read Psalm 106, please? Yet he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make known his mighty power. All right, God saves people for his namesake. So this verse is recalling the 
recalling God's work um, with the Israelites, God saved them. And does it say that he saved them for just to save the Israelites? No. Does it say that saving God or that God saved these people um, simply that God would be happy? Um, that's not all it is. It says that God saves them for his name's sake because God wanted his reputation to be upheld. Because God was saying, you are my people and my work is not merely for you. I'm saving you so that I will get glory. I'm saving you so that my name, my honor will be upheld. Okay. Uh, Psalm 111. Can I have you read that, Christine, please? He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. All right. We might say holy and awesome is God, and that is totally true. But here in this verse, it says holy and awesome is his name. So when we when we hear the scriptures say uh, the name of God, the name of God, the name of God, it is you're saying this is God himself because in God's name is his reputation. This is his strength. This is his power. This is who he is. So we, uh, to, to see where that comes about, we'll look at Exodus. So our second point here, the name of God and the revelation of God. So this is one of the most famous scenes from the Old Testament where God reveals himself to his people. Jeff, can I have you read Exodus 3, please? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I, ha- I am have sent me to you. God said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. All right, thanks. This is where Moses meets God. Uh, do you guys remember in this passage what God, uh, what form God takes? <coughs> God is a burning God is coming to Moses in the form of a burning bush and this is where God reveals himself to Moses and this is where he gives Moses his name and this is significant because back in back in, in this day the people of God they they referred to God as really God or the the nations around Israel they said this is the God of Israel but here God is saying let me give you my name. I'm establishing a personal relationship for you. And the name he gives us is uh, actually in Hebrew. It's um, it's a word that's it's a it's a name that we don't use um, as often. But it's a uh, I'll give you a letter. It has no vowels and it starts with a Y. Do you guys know what this name might be? Yahweh. Yahweh. Yeah. So uh, Yahweh. Yahweh. So um, we might spell it Yahweh with the vowels, but um, how how uh, we might see it is Yahweh, just the four letters in the uppercase. And what this is, is uh, they call it the Tetragrammaton. The Tetragrammaton. This is the, the name of God. So what does that translate into? It means, it's a really strange name because... Uh, we see here in Exodus, it's I am who I am. Another way to translate this is simply to be. It's this verb. God is, this is who 
God is, and it's it's really um, puzzling. It, it, how, like, how do you call yourself? How do you just say this? I just am who I am. Like, and this points to God's uh, completely self-referential character, character. It means that God doesn't rely on other things to refer to Himself. So, uh, for example, you know, some people they uh, w- um, we have some uh, we have some people. There's someone in our church. Uh, do we have any Smiths in our church? We don't. Okay, I'm sorry. I, uh, but for example, like if if you know someone whose name is Smith. Uh, back in the day, this meant that they came from a family of, they might have been blacksmiths, or um, what, t- what other type of smiths are there? Like, oh, I'm sorry? The Schumacher. Oh, yes. There's, so Schumacher. Um, so this is someone's occupation. Uh, someone's last name is Smith. They came from a family who they, they were smiths. We have some Schumachers in our church. Schumacher... What does that sound like? What type of occupation does that sound like? <laughs> Shoemaker, shoemarker. This is referring to someone's occupation. At some point, someone was referred to themselves as a shoemaker, um, and they and uh, Eric and Heijong, their last name is shoemarker. They came from a someone back in the day was a shoemaker, and the last name of people. This is in reference to. Someone other than themselves. They're saying that there's someone besides myself who I'm related to, who I set my uh, who I, who sets the standard for me. God says there's no one else who I who you can compare me to. There's no one else that you can reference in relation to me because I'm so incomparable. I'm so uh, completely different that there's nothing else. There's no one else that you can uh, refer to me as. So. I am who I am. God says, whoever I am, this is who I am. Uh, to be, uh, this is another way of tra- translating it. I just am. And by doing this, God is saying to you, to, to the Israelites, to Moses, this is my name. Only God's people will know my name, not the other nations, but only my people will know my name. And he's establishing a relationship. He's giving them a personal uh, connection to them. On the other hand, this name, I am who I am, it's so strange, it's so weird. What does it say? And these commentators who who write about this passage, they say, God reveals himself in this passage, but by giving the Israelites this name, he's concealing himself just as much because it's so mysterious. What does it mean that God is who he is? What does it mean when we say, when we call to God, to be to be, you are my God. What does that mean? And God in doing that is saying, I'm telling you who I am, but you can't fully know yet. And this is in the Old Testament. And then we'll go on and we'll see how this comes into fruition. How does God reveal himself fully in his name? So the name of God and the revelation of God, uh, God gives us his name. And God says, this is a name that you're to refer to me as. And this is a holy name. You have to know that I am who I am. You know that you you have to know that your existence is contingent upon I am. All right. Our uh, so our next point: misusing God's name in Scripture. So, when you guys have heard this heard this uh, command before, or this uh, this third commandment, when it says, "You shall not take the name, Lord's name in vain," 
what comes to mind? Like, what what do you think is taking God's name in vain, or what have you heard in the past? Like saying, "Oh my God," right? Yeah. So people will say, "Oh my God," or they might say, uh, they might say, um, you know, they might use the name of Jesus as an exclamation point, or they might say, uh, they might say, uh, you know, like God will do something to someone else. And when we think, when we when we hear "do not take God's name in vain," we think it's simply a matter of speech. This is simply uh, saying, uh, if I say these words and I'm taking God's name in vain, and yes, that is true. If we don't, if we're not careful with our words, we can take God's name in vain simply by throwing it around um, like it's nothing. And that's what part of what it means to take God's name in vain is to say, you know, I know the name Jesus. I know the name God. And I'm going to throw it around as if it's as if it's equivalent to um, a curse word, or it's equivalent to um, an exclamation point. This is one small part of what it means to take God's name in vain. But we have some other examples of taking God's name in vain in the scriptures. So one of them is sorcery. I know that sorcery in this day and age is not something that we a lot of us partake in. But uh, I'm going to use this as an example, and then we'll continue on, and we'll talk about other things in which, other ways in which we take God's name in vain. So, who did I leave off at? Um, Ashley, can I have you read from Deuteronomy 18, please? Uh, there shall not be anyone who practices divination, or tells fortunes, or interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or a charmer, or a medium of a or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. All right, thank you. It's not explicit in this passage, but then back in the day, when people practiced sorcery, they would invoke the name of a god. They would say, um, I don't I don't know the names of gods, but then let's just say, like, in the name of Zod, I am going to cast a spell on you. Uh, the equivalent of this in Deuteronomy is calling on the name of God, the Lord God and say, I'm going to do this to tell fortunes or to interpret certain things. So this is more of a, um, it's, it's not something that we come across as much nowadays. So let's go on to some other examples of taking God's name in vain. Dan, can I have you read Jeremiah 14, please? Sure. And the Lord said to me, the prophets are prophesying lies in my name. Not send them, nor did I command them to speak to them. They are, they are prophesying to you a lying vision, worthless divination, and deceit, the deceit of their own minds. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who prophesy in my name, although I did not send them and say, Sword and famine shall come upon this land, by sword and famine those prophets shall be consumed. Thank you. So, another way of misusing God's name or taking God's name in vain is. By false prophecy. So we have an example here in Jeremiah where God is referring to these prophets that say, uh, the Lord told me that this is going to happen. And how does that, how do we see that nowadays? Um, if you guys have cable, you might, there's a te- television station, television station with um, sometimes these preachers that say, the Lord told me that this person in this state uh, is sick and God wants to heal this person. Or the Lord told me that God wants you to do this. If it's not based in Scripture, we have to be really careful about what, what God tells us is going to happen. And this is really tempting because we can easily justify our desires 
by saying, uh, I feel that the Lord is telling me this. The Lord is saying that I should do this. And sometimes he does. Sometimes he'll nudge you. Sometimes he'll give you, um, put you in certain certain circumstances in which there will be, uh, he, he does want you to act. But then it always, always, always has to line up with God's revealed will in the scripture. And when people say, the Lord is telling me that, you know, you are in this situation or the Lord is telling me that you should do this. This happens in some churches. But how do they know that it's happening? How do we know it's not just coming from their own head? That, it's, that there's some desire that they're just trying to justify? The Lord is telling me this. How do we know that? This is another way of taking God's name in vain. Because just like these prophets in the Old Testament, they said, the Lord said that this is going to happen. How do we know that this is going to happen? How do we know that the Lord is telling you that this is going to happen? So we have to be really careful when we hear people say, the Lord is telling me he wants you to do this. Or the Lord wants you to uh, go in this direction. Uh, it's 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 not wrong to encourage someone. It's not wrong to to uh, to tell them something that uh, aligns with Scripture. But then we have to be really careful if we are trying to justify something that we want to do or someone else wants to do. So this is another way of taking God's name in vain. <clears throat> Swearing false... False oaths. Jeff, uh, Leviticus 19, please. You shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. All right. <clears throat> you shall not swear by my name falsely. So this is referring to, in the Old, Test- in the Old Testament, if someone was making a promise, they would swear to the name, uh, by the name of God. And they, say, they would say, say, I mean, like we hear it in our own day, right? We, say, we hear someone say, I swear to God, this is going to happen. I swear to God, this is what I mean. This is extremely serious because when people said in, the, in, the, in this day, like they were putting their whole life on the line by swearing to God. And this is when people say nowadays, when people say, I swear to God, this is going to happen. This is taking God's name in vain because how do you know that this is going to happen? How do you know that you can fulfill your promise this is another way that we take God's name in vain. Um, and then this uh, this other one from Acts 19. It's kind of a uh, strange episode from their early church. But uh, we're going to read about these uh, sons of Sceva in Acts 19. Uh, Amanda, can I have you read this long passage from Acts 19, please? And the God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So that even um, handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaimed. Seven sons of the Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extinct. All right, thank you. This is such a... uh Kind of like a comical scene almost. These spirits jump on these sons of Sceva, and it says they, they run out of the house like completely naked. 
that's like so weird. We actually have there's a couple scenes in the New Testament where people run out of homes naked. Um, it's 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 uh people have done studies on why these guys are naked. So if you want to look it up, you can ask me more about it later. It's interesting some of the stuff that we see in scripture. But what's happening here in Acts is Paul is doing these amazing things in the name of Jesus as as a minister. He is. Uh, performing miracles, demons are being cast out, uh, all these crazy things are happening, and these exorcists who are not believers, they notice, here's Paul, he's doing these things, and what is the name that he uses? It's Jesus. And they go, okay, every time he does something, he says, I'm going to do it in the name of Jesus. If we want to do something, we should do the same thing. We'll, We'll use the name of Jesus to exorcise demons. But they didn't know Jesus. They, they, they simply saw the name Jesus as a, a magic word, as something that um, they think, okay, maybe carry some power. I'll just use a name and something will happen because it happens for this guy. It should happen for us as well. But these people did not know who this Jesus was. And they were taking his name in vain. They were using it as magic. They're trying to use it. They were using it in a way to gain uh, a personal advantage for themselves. It was in a, a way for them to um, profit from what from this name Jesus. So, what type of things do we do nowadays that, in the same way, cheapen the name of Jesus? So we've seen there's sorcery, there's false prophecy, there's uh, the swearing of false oaths. There is using the name of Jesus as magic. I'm gonna um, just throw some things out there, and maybe you can like give me some feedback, or maybe you can add some more stuff to it. Um, one thing that's, that, uh, I guess not so much nowadays, but <clears throat> when I was younger, people would wear these t-shirts. Like if, if you went to the, into the Christian bookstores, you would see uh-huh. like just the, the worst t-shirts and you would see them and I would cringe. And then, you know, like there's that, there's a, um, uh, there's one, it was, um, it was the Lord's gym. Uh, oh yeah, back, back in the day in the eighties and early nineties, like the big gym was gold's gym. And um, there would be a picture of Jesus on on his on this like kind of like doing a chest press, but with a cross on his back. And then it was just like Jesus in agony, and in big bold letters on over Jesus was the Lord's gym. We see other examples of like really bad Christian uh, parodying or just copying what what happens in popular culture. Like there was a Abercrombie and Fitch. Um, so some Christians created a T-shirt that said "a bread, a crumb, and a fish," and it was referring to the miracle of Jesus um, when he when he fed the five thousand. And there's uh, like there there just like some really really bad uh, theology and really uh, the misuse of Jesus' name for profit. The worst of it was this. This was in the early late late nineties. Um, there were like they were called testaments, and they were cross shaped mints that people that people would sell in christian bookstores and we see this on t-shirts on candy on maybe like stained glass uh people just using the name jesus <laughs> as if it were something that sells products and i'm not i don't want to go so far as to say it's wrong to have the name jesus on things because i think that it can be done in a reverent manner but we use things to to sell a product. When we use the name Jesus or the name God or the name Yahweh or the Holy Spirit to sell a product, this is cheapening the name of Jesus. Uh, in the same way, there's 
you know, like there's um, uh, I, I was reading uh this article by someone who worked in a Christian publishing company, and he would overhear these conversations. Like a lot of the really popular songs that churches sing nowadays, they would go through this publishing company, and they they were the ones that said, okay, this song is good, we'll publish it, we'll put it on some records. And he would hear conversations where they people would say, um, you know, I really like this music. This tune is great. The melody is great. Um, it, the 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 words are pretty good. Um, and he would say he would hear he would hear uh, these songwriters and these editors go, well, um, but you're using the the name Jesus a little bit too much. So let's just cut it back, and it'll have more appeal. You can play it on radio more often, or more churches will sing it if you don't use the name Jesus as much. And the songwriters would go to this guy's great surprise. Oh, you're right. Okay, let's do that. A lot of the music that's that we hear on Christian radio is processed. It and what I mean by process is it goes through these filters that 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 are meant to turn this product into something appealing for the masses. And it strips the theology from the songs. It strips the name Jesus from the songs, so that when what you hear on the radio. It doesn't offend. It doesn't challenge. It might have the name Jesus here and there, but it doesn't say anything really about God. It talks about our own feelings. It talks about what we're going to do. Um, and if you've been in some of our past Sunday school classes, we we should be really afraid of what promises we make when we're singing the songs that we sing in church because who says we're going to keep those promises? What we want to hear is God's promise to us. And this is what so much of what the, the popular church or the, the American church or the Western church is drinking in is this stuff that has been processed through these marketers and through these businessmen who want to sell you something. They're not concerned about your doctrinal knowledge. They're not concerned that, that uh, the name of God is being honored as much as they, as they are selling something. We see this on bumper stickers and t-shirts and all the stuff that, 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 you might see being sold at Christian bookstores or Christian online stores or whatever. Um, this is like a huge knock on on just the the whole uh, uh, Christian marketplace. But I, I I'll just leave it at that. I, th- I think that some of it's deserved because the name of of Yahweh of Jesus of God God is saying. Whatever you're going to do, if you're going to stick my name on something, you better be darn sure that it honors me. Because nothing matters more than the honor of my name. My reputation is more important than your profits. And this is what God is saying here. Don't use my name to gain for personal gain. Don't use my name so that you can do something that fulfills your own desires. My name is holy do not mess with it. And God is saying over and over and over, every time you hear my name in the scriptures, this is who I am. Do not cheapen it. Do not misuse it. So is it simply not cursing? Is it simply not saying, uh, oh my God? Is it simply not saying, um, using the name of Jesus as an exclamation point? Yes, it is those things, but it's so much more. And Jesus comes on the scene and he raises up the bar even higher. So let's turn to the next page. Uh, TJ, uh, John eight fifty eight, please. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Uh, did, does that sound familiar? 
Yeah, Moses. So here these religious leaders are. So they see Jesus and they say, who is this guy? And Jesus says to these guys, before Abraham ever existed, he says, I am. He's talking about Abraham in past tense, but he's talking about himself in present tense. The same way that God spoke of himself in Exodus. He says, I am Yahweh, which means I am who I am. Jesus says, I am. And this is where the name of God takes on a whole new meaning. This is where Jesus um, reveals the nature of God. And this is, whereas in Exodus, God was, while he was revealing himself, he was also concealing himself. Jesus comes on the scene and says, Bam! There's no more hiding of who God is. I am who I am. Isn't that amazing? Um, Tub, can I have you read Philippians 2, please? Therefore, God was highly exalted, has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at, every, at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. All right, thank you. In Isaiah, there is a passage where God says um, that at one day there's going to be a name at which every every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that this guy is Lord. And it's actually in um, Isaiah 45 if you want to look it up. Uh, Jesus is I am. Who God revealed himself as in Exodus comes to fruition in full in with the appearance of Jesus, when Jesus says, I'm the person that everyone has been talking about. I'm the person, I, I, I am who I am, and I'm the one that these scriptures have written about. So when, we, when God says, uh, I want you to t- honor my name, he says, he's saying, I want you to honor the name of Jesus. And in the life of the believer, we'll talk about how the name of Jesus um, plays into the life of the believer. But just right here, uh, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. It's not just when people see Jesus, but when they see when, at the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, this is uh, this is the the object at which people will will fall at, on their knees and reverence and awe. It all comes together with Jesus, and all the scriptures always like this. Jesus is the hinge point for everything else. So, uh, the name of Jesus, who Jesus is, the reputation of God, the honor of God is all tied up in this one man, Jesus Christ. So when God says, honor my name, he's saying, honor Jesus. So how do we do that in our own lives? Um, Our last point, the higher standards. So I want to talk about how uh, the name of Jesus has it plays into our whole lives as believers, our, our whole life as, um, as, as instruments that God has been working in. All right, so Ezra, can I have you read First John 5, please? I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. All right, thank you. When we hear the gospel, when we hear... Uh, anything in church, when God has spoken to us, he's speaking to us in the name of Jesus. So later on, we're going to worship together in, in the auditorium, and we're, everything we do is in the name of Jesus. 
if you guys ever if you guys have ever like paid attention when we pray we always say at the end in Jesus name I pray do you guys know why we do that have you guys noticed it that that we use in Jesus name so um for 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 a long time I was like why do we just say it just because we need to tack on Jesus name somewhere um what what is the significance of us saying in Jesus name when we say that we're doing something in Jesus' name, we're saying that it's through Jesus that anything happens. It's Jesus. Uh, Jesus is the one that acts on our behalf. He is our advocate before the Father. Jesus is the one that prays for us when we cannot pray. Jesus is the one that is always, always, always acting on our behalf. So that's why when we pray, we don't do it in the name of my own faith. I'm not doing this in the name of my church. I'm not doing this in the name of my own effort. I'm doing this in the name of Jesus because Jesus is the only one that can actually act on our behalf. Jesus is the only one that can go to the Father and be our advocates. So when we speak the gospel later, when we hear these songs being sung, when, when we pray these prayers, it's always being in the name of Jesus because we're not doing anything on our own strength. We're doing it in Jesus' name. So when people hear the gospel, they're hearing it in Jesus' name because the preacher is going to speak in the name of Jesus because only Jesus can do what we cannot do. So when we first heard the gospel, when we first responded to the gospel, it was the gospel being spoken to us through the name of Jesus. So that's at the beginning of our um, of our spiritual journey. Matthew twenty eight nineteen. Ashley, please. Alright, so again, we hear something being done in the name of not only Jesus, but the Father and the Holy Spirit. We were called to spiritual life by the name of Jesus. We are baptized into the name, uh, we are baptized into the church by the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see in 1 Corinthians 6, I'm sorry, what's your name? Michelle. Michelle, can I have you read that please? All right, so thank you. We have the name in our calling, the name of Jesus in our calling, the name of Jesus in our baptism, and the name of Jesus is the name in which we're washed, in which we're sanctified. So throughout our entire lives, if we have any growth, if there is any challenge being presented to us, if there's, if, if, if we're being cleansed of our sins, what is it? It's in the name of Jesus that this is happening. Uh, Sarah, can I have you, do you have a sheet? Um, Sarah, can I have you read uh, John 14 in the middle of the page? Sure. And such were amongst you. Um, uh, whatever? Yeah, whatever. Okay. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Thank you. This is my explanation of why we pray things in Jesus' name, because it's in the name of Jesus that this is being done. It's in the name of Jesus that we can pray. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Jesus is being our advocate when we pray. So do you see the name of Jesus active throughout our entire lives? The name of Jesus marks all of us. And in every stage of our lives, in every action, in every circumstance we're placed into, the name of Jesus is active in our lives And for us, this is why we need to take special care 
to honor the name of God. This is the significance of the third commandments. To honor the name Yahweh, to honor the name God, to honor the name Jesus, because we cannot escape this name Jesus. Um, we cannot run away from it. It is a part of us. It is a part of our lives. And uh, our last point, our last sub-point, our lives speak the name of Jesus. Uh, before I move on, I does anyone have any questions or comments? All right, I'm going to move on. Our last points. Uh, Derek, can I have you read Matthew 7:21, please? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Thank you. This is such a scary passage there Jesus says there will be people that have been doing ministry the people that that thought they were Christians people that would um, perform these miracles do these acts and one day they're going to stand before Jesus and say fully expecting to enter the kingdom of heaven and Jesus will say to them who are you I have no idea who you are I don't know you you don't know me and it's interesting that these people called Jesus Lord, Lord. So let me um, let me go back to our little illustration in Exodus. So if you guys ever see in the Bible the Lord in all caps, this is these are the Bible editors. This is the Bible's Bible editors' way of saying. Um, we're translating Yahweh, we're translating this tetragrammaton um, into the Lord in, in a way that's just easy for us to understand. So, who is the Lord? Jesus is the Lord. And these people recognize the name of Jesus. These people recognize what has been revealed in Scripture. And they say, they, they not only call Jesus Lord, they say, Lord, Lord. There's a double emphasis because there's, they're so certain of what they've done. They're so certain of their status that they can say to, to Jesus, Lord, Lord, have we not done these things in your name? And Jesus is going to say to them, I never knew you. And these people thought that they knew Jesus. They thought that they were honoring the name of God. They thought that they were keeping the third commandment. But Jesus says, no, you weren't. And what this passage is saying, and th there's so much more that can be said in this passage, but what it's saying is you need to really be sure that your relationship with God is right. You need to be really sure that you're not doing things on your own strength, but you're doing it by, uh, on the strength that God provides. And this is this is kind of the... the, the um, this is the importance of understanding our status before God because we need to know that we're not doing things on our own. We need to know that we're not trusting in our own works. We need to know that we're not trusting um, in anything besides the righteousness of Jesus, the name of Jesus, that we're trusting the name of Jesus and what he's done. So um, I'm going to move on to a couple more passages that speak about how our lives should reflect the name of Jesus. So in Revelation 2.13, Joe, can I have you read? This passage, please. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, yet you hold fast my name, 
not deny my faith even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you your faith and love. Thank you. So this is God speaking to the church in Pergamum and um, so there were uh, there were letters written to the their various churches um, in the book of Revelation, and then one of them is this church of Pergamum. And he says, in living your life, in in facing the devil, in facing the enemies of God, what were you doing? You were holding fast to my name. And again, from from the beginning of Scripture to the end of Scripture, we see that the name of God is what should is what we should be holding on to. This is when, when this pastor says you're holding fast to my name, it's saying that you continue to trust in me. You continue to believe that I am for you. You continue to trust and honor uh, who I am, that you're holding up the reputation of my name. So these believers, they carried with them the name of God, with the, the name of Jesus, and they honored the name of Jesus. And um, finally, Colossians 3.17. Um, Chow, can I have you read that, please? All right, and everything you do, do in the name of the Lord Jesus. So again, we see here, as a believer, we have to do everything in the name of Jesus. And this is how we keep the third commandment. This is how we honor God. And learning what Jesus has to say to us and reading his commandments. And when we see in Scripture, God saying over and over and over, this is my name, this is my name, this is my name. My name matters. My name, my name carries with it the weight of my whole existence <clears throat> and God has entrusted his name to us and his name the name Jesus should be written all over our lives when people see us it should be that this person is a Christ bearer he's bearing the image of Jesus that the way that he lives the way that he treats people the way that he he conducts himself in private as well as in public this is him living in the name of Jesus. And this is what this third commandment is calling us to, is to honor the name of Jesus by the way we live our lives. And there is, um, there, there, we can get to the point where we go, my life has not honored Jesus. I, I, uh, I know that I trust Jesus. I know that he's active in my life. But then, um, you know, I think for all of us, we can say at points, we, we just go, my life does not reflect the reality of the gospel. My life does not reflect the honor of Jesus' name. And what happens there? If you notice, there's a threat attached to Exodus 27. And we'll, we'll just end with this. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. God cares so much about his name that he's saying, I will kill you if you honor my name. He says, I will literally kill you if you if you dishonor my name. That's how serious it is. Jesus comes on the scene and he raises the stakes even higher. And he says, not only in the way you speak, but the way you live your life. It goes that deep. That's how deep the commandment goes. It goes into the way, the, every second of your life, the way you live it. That's how you honor my name. And if you don't, you're dishonoring my name. And in Galatians it says, um, that Christ became took on a curse for us, the curse of the law. And this is the law of God right here in Exodus. The law of God says, you must honor my name or you will suffer the consequences. You will be punished. 
the, the gospel story is always that no matter how much we fail, Jesus takes on the punishment for our sins. He becomes the curse for us so that we do not have, have to bear the curse of the punishment of our sins. So encouragement for all of us is this, is even now, as if we, if we feel discouraged, if we feel like we haven't lived up to what God has called us to, the name of Jesus is act, or the, the power of Jesus and the name of Jesus is acting in our lives, just as it says in First um, Corinthians six. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. We don't justify ourselves by the way we live, but because Jesus has lived that life for us, we can ha- we have the freedom to live a life that's honoring to God. And there, I'm going to close off with this one quote. It's by, um, these are the lyrics of a guy by the name of Bill Drake. And I heard this song back in the mid-90s when I was in Mexico for a mission trip. And um, this guy was a worship leader. And he had one song where the lyrics go, And if I call myself a Christian, but I'm not willing to obey, then by my life and by my, I'm sorry. If I call myself a Christian, but not willing to obey, then by my lips, by my life, I take your name in vain. If I call myself a Christian, but I'm not willing to obey, then by my lips and by my life, I take your name in vain. So there are a thousand different ways we can take God's name in vain. Not only the way we speak, but in the way we live our lives. So it's this all-encompassing commandment that God gives us. And thankfully for us, even if we don't live up to it, God's grace is all-encompassing and the work of Jesus is continuous in our lives. Okay, any questions or comments? All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for teaching us. And we pray that we would have the strength, the Holy Spirit's strength, to live up to this life that you've called us to, God. And we're thankful that even when we don't, that you are gracious, you forgive. And um, we just ask that right now that you would work in our lives and throughout our lives, that you would make your name and your renown the desire of our hearts, God then no other name would matter. Not our name, not our company name, not our family name, not our the name of our nation or the name of our interest, but nothing but the name of Jesus would matter in our lives, God. So we ask that you would transform us into people that would live lives worthy of the name of Jesus, God. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.